question for you. And don't feel bad if you know your answer is not the right one. Are you treating the most important thing in your life with the most importance? All right. Uh, If you're not tracking with me, let me explain further. My name is Peter, and I am a disciple of Jesus. Now, Jesus should be the most important thing in my life, but, man, I have a lot of things going on. Not only am I a full-time disciple, but I also have to plan trips with my mother. I have to go to all these Jewish festivals. I have to plan an itinerary for the whole group. (sighs) I have a lot on my plate. I'm sure that you have a lot on your plate as well. It just seems that as Jesus becomes more popular, it just becomes harder and harder for any of us to find any downtime. So I got word today that there was a large group coming to seek us out. And to tell you the truth, I was exhausted. I couldn't even imagine how tired Jesus must have felt. So when Jesus told us that we were going to go hide on a mountain until the group went home, I was excited. A day off, that would be amazing. So we started following Jesus up the mountain, and we just thought it was going to be a quiet afternoon where we could just have some downtime and get away from all of these needy people. But Jesus turned, and he started speaking to us. So many powerful words. Words about murder and divorce and adultery and loving our enemies. But what stood out the most to me was when he talked about worry. Now, we all can agree that worry is a bad thing, right? But I never really thought of it this way, that he said that if we are so focused on the Father, then there's nothing that we should worry about. I started out by asking you a question, so let me end by asking you one too. With this idea of trusting the Father and not worrying, how are you doing with that in your own life? Something for us all to think about. The older I get, and the more I know about life, and the more I understand about the incredibly high stakes in being a responsible parent or spouse or even just a responsible human being, uh, the more I realize how much hinges on whether we take personal responsibility seriously. A moment of admission, the more I have begun to think that people who are always carefree and, you know, very casual about life, the more I have begun to think that people like that are a little off kilter. I know that sounds bad, uh, but at least in my economy, and and maybe it's because I'm an intense perfectionist type more than the Mr. and Mrs. casual and carefree. I know know that sounds bad, but those casual and carefree people kind of worry me. All the the carefree types among us are like inwardly totally offended. That's okay. I can already feel the messages being written and composed in your heads. Except that, by the way, if you're truly carefree, then what do you care what I'm saying that you're not truly carefree? So, actually, I'm just pointing out that you're an inner emotional tightwad like I am. So I'm just helping you you admit um, so that you can face reality. 
No, really. People who's always seem to be like cool with everything worry me a little bit. And maybe I only think this because I'm especially intense and a bit of an anxious perfectionist, um, but it seems to me that people who are always carefree, always casual, uh, maybe even a little dismissive about the importance of life are actually, are actually trying to avoid some responsibility and reality. Now we're preaching a bit. Just take the idea, uh, one little part of the whole of life, just take the area of financial responsibility as a parent. I would love to be able to just pretend that the last week in the Wakefield family uh, didn't really happen because in just this last week, a bunch of bills came due and and all these financial pressures kind of began to mount for the Wakefields. Uh, And I would like to believe that this was just an illusion, like if you just uh, let it go, things will be fine. These things have a way of taking care of themselves. Uh, No, they don't. Financial things don't just have a way of taking care of themselves. Right? Like repo men and people with legal documents show up. That's what happens when financial pressures are just avoided. So just this week, um, I had a little personal come apart a couple, seven times, um, with these financial pressures that were mounted. Because we've got braces phase two for kid number two after phase one was about... 2200 phase two is 5500 did i mention it's the second kid 1300 dollars of car repairs a high schooler going with the high school band to a disney trip um, a, a middle schooler who's on a traveling soccer team say no more and a daycare kid who's got another two three years uh, of daycare that was just this week um, so if anybody could help take the pastor out to lunch afterwards <laughs> he would appreciate it just kidding but, but, but really, just, just this week, I had this feeling a few times of it's all crashing down, we're all going to starve, my kids won't succeed, they're not going to get enough scholarships and they better because they're not going to get enough help from me. <laughs> and not only that, but I'm a terrible father, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good pastor, why do I even try? You know, I got to that place in about 30 seconds. That's what starts to be the feelings inside us when we start to understand adult responsibility. I'm not making this up. You all feel it. I know I feel it. It's like that cartoon. There's a cartoon a number of years ago in a pastor's magazine where the woman was trying to drag the man out of bed and she's sitting there going, Honey, get up. It's, it's time for church. And he says, Why? I don't want to. They don't like me and they're not nice to me. Give me one good reason why I should get up and go to church. And she says, Because you're the pastor. <laughs> that is pathetic. <laughs> hey, it's super easy when you begin to understand how much responsibility is involved in just being an adult. <laughs> it is super easy to overworry. And we're just talking about the financial parts of being a parent. <laughs> I haven't mentioned anything about being a good husband or being a good father or, or being a good employee at work. I haven't even mentioned any of that kind of stuff yet. Just the financial stuff. You start adding in all the other responsibilities of life 
and it starts to become a situation where your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and it's just you and your feelings of being overwhelmed. (laughs) Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. Work is hard. Just being a responsible adult can be so hard when you begin to understand how much is actually involved in the stakes of the matter. This is reality right here, friends. And we're going to put this on screen for you. Let this simmer, let this sink in for a bit. The demands and the responsibilities of this world if you rightly understand what's involved in them. The demands and the responsibilities of this world will produce deep anxiety in us if we fail to learn to trust in God's provision. The demands and the responsibilities of this world, if you understand them at all, will produce a deep anxiety in us if we fail to learn to trust and God's provision. Friends, the danger is that this deep anxiety, and this is what Jesus is warning of us, warning us of in this passage here. The danger is that this deep anxiety can keep us from seeking the kingdom of God. This anxiety for the world will will tempt us to miss the kingdom of God. So how do we learn to trust in God's provision? when there's all this stuff going on in our lives, when there's so much to be responsible for, when there's braces, kid, part two. Jump in Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus has a lot to tell us here about how we learn to trust in God's provision. He says this, Therefore, in other words, because you're either a carefree denier of reality or an emotional tightwad like Scott, therefore, pretty sure that's in the Greek, therefore, I tell you, Do not, he states this as a principle at the beginning, do not be anxious. Circle that word anxious there or maybe worry uh, in some versions. This word anxious or worry here is used six times throughout our passage here. And it means much more than just this sort of vague uh, emotional hand-wringing kind of idea, although it certainly includes that idea. This is a worry that becomes active seeking after something to alleviate the worry. This is a worry that becomes an act of seeking after something as a method, as a means of alleviating the worry. Another word that might be good for this would be striving. What Jesus is talking about here is anxiety that drives a self-centered effort to supply your own needs instead of relying on God. This is a worry that can become a striving that will drive a self-centered effort to supply one's own needs instead of relying on God. (laughs) So, okay, Jesus, do not be anxious about what? Keep reading. He says, do not be anxious about your life. More specifically, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will wear, life's basic necessities. Don't be worried about life's basic necessities. And then he says this, this is interesting. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And now at this point we're preaching because at first glance we hear Jesus' question, we hear his words and we think, no problem. I don't worry about those basic necessities of life. I've always got them. 
I've got my food. I've got my clothing. I've got my shelter. Don't need to worry. Thank you, job. Done. Thank you, Lord. Hashtag blessed. I'm good. But, but Jesus' question here at the end of verse 25 does not let us off so easily. Look with me at that question of Jesus's again. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's using a rhetorical argument uh, that the Jewish teachers often would use uh, to prove a point. It's called the how much more argument. Look at Jesus' question. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The obvious, the expected answer is, well, yes, actually, of course. Life does indeed uh, consist of more than just food and clothing. So Jesus is saying, in essence, that there is more to this life than the basic material needs. And that if we focus too much on these needs, these basic material kinds of needs, in whatever form or fashion, if we seek those things first and foremost and focus on those material sources of dependence, especially if we have way way much more than we need in the way of resources with which to depend on material sources of safety and security. If we do that, then we can run the risk of missing what life is about in the kingdom of God. Which is to say that Jesus basically just threw every American under the bus. (laughs) Because we Americans are anxiety-filled strivers. Because we have everything available to us, more than we could ever need times a lot. (laughs) We have learned an unhealthy pattern of depending on our resources and our money to supply our needs in a way that makes God unnecessary. Jesus knows this about us. He knows this about us, so he warns us about this danger. And he gives us two examples from nature. The first is of birds and how God provides for them. Don't be anxious because I take care of the birds, is what he's saying. (laughs) Check this out. He says in the next verse there, in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't have to concern themselves with gathering food or worrying about having enough. And yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't even have to worry and they're taken care of. Listen, Jesus says, does a bird worry about having enough to eat? (laughs) Well, no, of course not. So are you, keep reading, are you not of more value than they? Well, yeah. So, Jesus is saying, the birds don't have to raise crops or to store in barns. Yet, hmm, somehow they always have enough food, don't they? So if your father cares for them and they don't have to worry, what's your problem? As a child of God who lasts forever in relationship with him, what are you worried about? You're of more value than the birds. And I take care of them, he says. So why be so crazy anxious? Well, Jesus, did I tell you I have kids in braces? Did did I tell you that I have to have the van fixed? And that there's this squeal with the belt in the other van? 
Did I fail to mention that I've got a kid going to Disney on the band trip and a kid in traveling soccer and two to three more years of daycare? I don't have anything for retirement, really, not, not much. Did you, did you forget to hear all of that yet, Jesus? <laughs> no. Chill out. I've got the birds. I'll have you. He says the same about the flowers. He uses these examples from nature to say, the Creator God provides for them. How much more is He going to provide for you? Look at verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus is saying, in effect, of course, how's that working for you? How's that worrying thing? That is also in the Greek. Um, That's not working, Jesus. You're right. And so he uses this other example, verse 28, of the flowers. And why are you anxious about clothing? He talked about food before. Now he's talking about clothing. Consider, think about the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't exactly have to work hard to become a beautiful flower. They don't have to concern themselves with having enough food or clothing or or the right food or the right clothing. Birds aren't sitting there going, give me gluten free. (laughs) The lilies aren't sitting there going, I've got to worry about my split-ins or my hairdo or my my T-zones. They're not sitting there going, I'm so worried about how I look, my biceps, my triceps, my pecs and glutes. God made these things and provides for them, and he'll provide for you too, he says. They don't even have to work at it. Verse 29. Even Solomon, who was probably the richest person in all of history, could have easily afforded to wear gold and diamond encrusted outfits and never repeat one. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these flowers. He doesn't even hold a candle to the natural beauty of God's creation. But if God so clothes in in this manner, verse 30, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, in other words, it doesn't last forever in relationship with Him as you do, will He not much more, He says, clothe you? And then He ends with this question, O you of little faith. God will take care of you, Jesus says. The problem is, the disconnect, is that we have learned to grasp after other forms of safety and security that are outside of an eternal relationship with God. If we are not careful, our anxiety will drive us to hoard stuff in order to feel safe. This is why Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. (laughs) Listen, people, our anxiety is so bad. (laughs) Our trust in God is so thin that we have learned an unhealthy, self-centered pattern, not simply of seeking after our basic needs, but of gorging ourselves, not just on basic needs, but of every desire. Our trust in the Heavenly Father and His provision for us is often so thin 
that we gorge ourselves on our every desire. Truth is, the overwhelming majority of us left behind a concern for basic needs a long time ago because we have learned an unhealthy pattern of feeding what is a good inward desire for relationship with God that is meant to be sustained and satisfied by Him alone with material material goods that become idols if we are not careful. What Jesus knows is that stuff is a cruel taskmaster. And it is really easy to worship the idols of temporary safety and worldly security. And if we're not careful, just the normal responsibilities of life can drive us there. And we feel justified while we seek those out. Jesus is warning us here against an anxiety that shuts out trust in God's provision that is ultimately rooted in the belief that we have, (laughs) that ultimately you are the only one providing for you. So what are we to do instead? He says, seek first the kingdom. Verse 31. He says, don't be anxious. Therefore, because of that kind of danger, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear or what, shall, what am I going to wear to the prom or what can I wear tomorrow or am I going to have blah, 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 blah. Stop the hand wringing and the stuff seeking and instead learn to depend on God first. For the Gentiles, non-believers seek after all these things and your father provides for them. Your father knows you need all those things. But you, verse 33, instead of non-believers, instead of the Gentiles, you seek first. Circle those two words, underline them, highlight them. You can memorize them, it's easy. Seek first. (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Which is to say, if there's anything that you must worry about, it must be your relationship with God first. If there's anything you need to worry about, it's being right with God. Everything else is going to take care of itself. How often this week did you, did I, seek first being right with God as opposed to this bill or that concern or that fear or this anxiety or what he thinks or what she said or what the grade's going to be Seek first, worry first about relationship with God. (laughs) He says this, and check it out. All these other things, you'll get them anyway. It's going to be okay. Seek first the kingdom of God, verse 33, and his righteousness. And all these things, the material needs, will be added to you. Seek after God first, the rest will take care of itself. Now Jesus here is not... um, Encouraging laziness. (laughs) He's not disparaging working to provide for basic needs. 
Uh, he's not condoning laziness as if the goal is to not worry in a way that means we just sit around and wait for God to supply sort of automagically um, things for us when he's given us skills, when he's given us hands to make a living. Uh, don't worry isn't an invitation, sorry, to give up studying for the exams, uh, to bury your head in the sand, uh, to quit your job, because God's going to provide and it's all going to be okay. No, that's, that's not what Jesus is condoning here. He's saying, get the first things in first. Dependence upon God first. He finishes up, verse 34, says, Therefore, because of seeking God first, we do not need to be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious. There's enough worry for tomorrow. Sufficient for the day, sufficient for today is its own trouble. Friends, don't worry is meant to be both a comfort and a challenge. It's a comfort and a challenge. The comfort is you can relax. You didn't create you. You're not in charge of the universe. I am. I've got this. You can relax. God's going to take care of it. The challenge is in the meantime, with that comfort in mind, stop trusting in other kingdoms. Because a lack of trust in God's provision can easily lead us to pursue temporary material safety that Jesus warns us here could put us in danger of missing the kingdom altogether. Which is why he says, seek the kingdom first. Make him first priority. Don't let your possessions possess you in a way that distracts you for matters of first priority. Friends, the danger is not that we possess things, it's, it's that they possess us in a way that keeps us from seeking the kingdom first. That is the real danger, Jesus says. Like you may think it's just a donut, but it's never just a donut. At least for me, it's not just a donut. This is a temptation for me to seek solace and safety and happiness in something that feels and tastes good. I know that sounds crazy, but you identify with it, all of you. It's never just a donut or a car or a relationship or casual sex or blank. <laughs> it's always too easily a temptation to depend on temporary feelings of safety and provision that can keep us from trusting in God. I, mean, I wrote this in my journal a few weeks ago, and I can't believe I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. I eat too much, and I exercise too little, because I believe that food is a more dependable source of happiness than, than people. That's why... I ate 14 Girl Scout cookies Friday. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't really like the Thin Mints. <laughs> I just ate them because the Samoas are all gone. <laughs> I get to the end of the week, the financial pressures are mounting, I don't know what to do, my sermon's not done. So I go home and I ate 14 Thin Mints. Jesus says to the thin mint eaters and the self-centered desire seekers to stop 
seeking satisfaction in other methods. So friends, the simple question we must answer for ourselves, if you want to apply what we're talking about today, is just answer this question for yourself. What am I worrying about? And what am I anxious about? Such that it causes me to seek out safety in temporary material goods instead of the rest that comes in God's provision? Where, where have I drifted into trust of other kingdoms for my security? Now friends, that's not an easy question to face, honestly. And I come to you as an amazing authority in seeking the kingdom of God, not so much first, not even second or third, but more like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. I have sought so many other comforts and trusted in so many sources of false hope that I only come to you as an authority on how to seek God's kingdom first through trial and error. Personal desperation realized in the emptiness of trusting everything else is what leads me to seek the kingdom of God first. Which is to say, friends, only... Only when you understand that you need Jesus will you begin to seek his kingdom. Until, until Christ has dispossessed you from this world's stuff, you remain possessed by it. Bowing in worship to temporary material safeties and security that always over-promise and always under-deliver. The only fix to that problem, friends, is repentance. The only fix to that problem is repentance. It's admitting, Lord, I am owned by many things other than my love for you. My anxiety, my fears drive for me a self-centered effort to acquire stuff or relationships or my work and to trust in those things instead of you. When you begin to admit that, you begin to take your first step in honestly seeking after the kingdom of God. Friends, in just a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to invite you to take a step toward seeking the kingdom of God by admitting uh, your need to trust in Christ. What we know because of the cross is that all the provision we could ever need was made for us in Jesus. A Savior who made up for your guilt and your sin and your shame. So as we sing a song together in just a moment here, when we do that, if you sense the Lord leading you to respond in some way, uh, there are a few ways to do that. Uh, if you've never made a public profession of faith in Christ, I would like to invite you to do that. Um, here at First Christian, um, we do that by publicly declaring, if you've never done that, 
uh, in the waters of baptism, the death to the old ways of trusting in the world, being raised to new life, to trusting in Jesus and his provision uh, for us. We keep the waters warm and get towels and t-shirts. Maybe as a baptized believer in Christ, you need a church home. Uh, For us, we say commit to the church as a member, which is just to admit that you're a part of a whole. Uh, A member is just a a piece of the whole, meaning you commit to um, being a part of the mission of God and his work in your life as we commit to you for your growth. Maybe you're not sure what your relationship with God means or looks like or or what trusting in the world's kingdoms uh, is like for you and you have questions about that. We'd love to have a conversation with you. So um, see uh, me, see someone afterwards. We have people available um, and ready and willing uh, to talk with you and pray with you afterwards. Uh, see somebody in the hub with the yellow connections name tag. Uh, we've been praying to, uh, to talk with you and have those conversations. So uh, we'd love to do that. So we're going to go ahead and pray and then we'll sing together.